Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. On the 3rd of January 2022, Brian Chesky, the founder of Airbnb, tweeted a question to his followers asking, quote, if Airbnb could launch anything in 2022, what would it be? End quote. Two days later, he published another tweet saying, quote, got 4,000 suggestions. Here are the top six. Number one, crypto payments. Top suggestion. And then a few others. Clear pricing displays, guest loyalty program, updated cleaning fees, more long-term stays and discounts, better customer service, and so on. At the end of this list, he said, quote, already working on most, we'll look into others now, end quote. Then he added another tweet, quote, crypto payments is inclusive of a variety of token ideas, end quote. And then another tweet, quote, our existing payments volume is $336 billion processed since 2013, end quote. I found this um, tweet historical in many senses because I've been working and researching into the space of decentralized booking platforms for five years now. And I was waiting for the day when Airbnb would finally acknowledge this uh, potential new way to go into it. I even wrote a couple of articles dedicated to Airbnb when Airbnb will tokenize. Uh, I have an article in which I suggest Brian Chesky how to tokenize and so on. So it doesn't come as a surprise to me. I knew this would happen. I just didn't know when. So it happened five years after I first started into this. It's longer than I expected at the beginning, but shorter than I was expecting a couple of years ago. It doesn't matter. It is going to happen. So let's get ready together for, for this new world in bookings. Now, he said crypto payments are the top suggestion. Let's, let's say something about that first. Um, this is Twitter. So it is probably very much skewed in favor of cryptocurrencies. If he had asked the same question in Facebook, I'm sure crypto payments would have not even appeared probably in the first six. But yeah, Airbnb said something very important. They are already working on them. Airbnb is working on crypto payments. Now, we don't know exactly if they're working or actually making them real, if they're just researching. I'm pretty sure they've been looking at this space for a long time already. So let's, let's prepare to, to a future in which actually Airbnb accepts payments in crypto and probably possibly even issue a token. Now, one thing which has been maybe a bit overlooked is the point number three because it says guest loyalty programs now how do you do guest loyalty programs in 2022 if not through a token in my humble opinion if you launch a guest loyalty program today you have to consider the fact that in a few years most loyalty programs will be tokenized based on cryptocurrencies so this is to say that even number three is is bullish if you want for the tokenization of airbnb now in a previous tweet he was kind of joking about web3 with the founder of box which is a dropbox competitor 
And the feeling was that he was the classic um, CEO of a Web2 company making fun of Web3 because Web3 is actually a menace to his business model. But he then clarified he's actually positive. Uh, he has a positive outlook on Web3 and good things will come out of it. So I think this is a very good moment in our journey together in this podcast to start getting deeper into the travel space, and in this case, the vacation rental space, because we have covered most of the basics here. So you're probably ready to reason together with me about applications. And the decentralization of Airbnb is an application of Web3. So remember, this is not something coming from the sky, it's coming from below. So Below the very foundation of Airbnb, there is the internet, and the internet is changing. So Airbnb has to change. This is my thesis, at least. Now, in this episode, we will try to speculate on how Airbnb could react to this, where they will go, what they can do, what they probably won't be able to do. Um, And then we're going to generally talk about decentralized booking platforms. Now, this is going to be speculation in the sense that we don't know where this is going. Uh, We can kind of see the two extremes, so very centralized platforms and very decentralized platforms, and then trying and imagine all what can be in the middle, what what can be between them. And we probably see many attempts at different levels of decentralization at decentralized bookings. So first of all, what are decentralized bookings? Because these term decentralized is is something which takes time to understand and to assign value to it. But uh, think about it as an insurance. That's another new way to look at it, which came out recently on Twitter. Think about decentralization as insurance. It's something which is out there. Uh, It doesn't really matter if nothing bad happens, right? If you have a car which is not insured, it's okay until it is not, until you have an accident. When you eventually have an accident, and hopefully you don't have one, but you could have one, not having insurance gets really, really expensive, and having insurance makes it really, really easy. Decentralization is the same. So if you embrace decentralization, you are paying for it in price, so in money, and you pay for it in lack of efficiency, but you are insured. Nothing bad can happen to you. While if you go for centralization, everything is okay until something bad happens and then you lose everything. And one example is, for instance, the deplatforming. Like we talked about that. If you get deplatform from Airbnb, it was great until the day before, but now you are the platform, which means you lost access to Airbnb and you lose your 5,000 reviews, which you worked very hard for many years to, to get to. In a decentralized system, this cannot happen. It's slower, it's not efficient, but your reviews are yours and you will never lose them. So when we talk about decentralized bookings, we are talking about an environment in which you own everything you do forever and you don't have any risk of losing it because of some centralized power which can decide you're out for for any reason. Is that all? Is that all we're talking about? Safety. And guarantees, not as much more, because decentralized bookings are also open bookings, which means the end of closed ecosystems like, again, Airbnb or Booking.com, where everything you do in them cannot be ported anywhere else. 
So if you are in Airbnb and you have 5,000 very precious reviews and you want to diversify, maybe your market is working better with Booking.com or some other OTA, you cannot bring those reviews over because they are closed systems. In Web3, if you have 5,000 reviews connected to your wallet, you bring them over. So decentralization is not only about safety and insurance, it's also about portability. And again, sovereignty, right? You own your own stuff. So let's start imagining here Airbnb getting a web tree, right? It's going to be a very fun thought experiment, in my opinion. So uh, uh, we can start from something we know very well, Airbnb, and start to see what they can do. Crypto payments. Yeah, Airbnb can accept crypto payments. This is the easy one because it doesn't impact the business model. The business model of Airbnb is being a middleman and charging a commission on each transaction. And this can be done with credit cards, bank accounts, crypto. It doesn't really matter. Now, crypto has being programmable money allows for more automation here. But still, you know, they get the money, keep a little bit and pass the remaining money to the host. It's, of course, a very important and difficult problem to solve because there's many kind of cryptocurrencies. But who knows? Maybe they can cooperate with some exchange which can do that for them so basically out of all the things Airbnb can do with web3 accepting crypto payments it's not the hard one a few years ago Expedia was accepting bitcoin for flight tickets so it can be done and it's not really going to change a lot so let's see this from the point of view of power shifting from the powerful to the people the way to judge long-term decentralized systems is looking at the power where the power goes, right? Today, most of the power is with Airbnb, the company, and hosts and guests do not have too much power in this ecosystem. And I mean in the Airbnb ecosystem. Now, where does the power shift if crypto payments are now accepted? Well, it depends how they implement it. Let's say that they implement it at the very basic level in which the customer, the guest pays in crypto, but the owner gets fiat money. So yes, the guest is a bit more empowered here because they can, you know, they can do more things. They can pay with a new kind of technology, while not much changes for the host because the host still gets fiat money. Uh, a little bit changes because now Airbnb empowers them to also attract the people who want to pay with crypto, right? This growing demographic we talked about in the last episode. Another thing which is going to happen in this case is that the alternative Web3 OTAs, which make crypto payments their basic business model, if Airbnb does and if other OTAs do this, they are crushed because their model is easily adopted by a Web2 company. Because crypto payments are not a mode. They are pretty much compatible with any Web2 platform. Any Web2 platform can accept payments in crypto and do not change the business model and do not change the power dynamics. Now, is it good or bad for people in general if Airbnb accepts crypto payments? Well, it can be argued both ways. I think it's good. I think it's good because it makes crypto more widespread, more adopted. So many people will adopt crypto because of Airbnb. And this in turn will allow for more decentralized apps to come on the market and have 
enough adoption, enough potential users, right? What if Airbnb allows hosts to actually cash the crypto payment used for their specific reservation? So if somebody pays, I don't know, in USDT, the stable coin, the host is allowed to actually cash the USDT, the stable coin. I don't see a world in which this is compulsory. Like you cannot really force a host to accept a crypto payment, but maybe they're going to release crypto payments only for hosts to accept them. And once they accept them, they have also to keep them. That's a possibility. We don't really know where they're going to go. If that's the way they're going to go, well, then you need a crypto guest and a crypto host before a crypto payment can happen. And the use case is really reduced. So we'll see, I guess. Another way it may go is that Airbnb accepts a whole number of cryptocurrencies, but only pays out in one of them, like you know USDT. And maybe in the escrow time between the booking and the release of the money to the host, Airbnb can get a nice interest on it, right? You know that when you deposit and you stake your crypto, you get much more than you would get in a bank. So that could be a nice way for Airbnb to make some extra money. Or they could deposit this crypto in the name of the guest and say, okay, if you pay today, from today to the day when the money is released to the host, you are getting some interest from one of these open protocols like Aave or something else, right? Or they could say to the host, okay, when you get a payment in crypto, the money is deposited for you in one protocol and you earn interest on it, maybe 5% a year. So if the money is sitting there for six months, you got a 3% on the money you will be getting on check-in day. Or it could be split. Who knows? There's so many possibilities. It's going to be extremely interesting to see when Airbnb announces crypto payments, where the interest goes. See, this is what I'm trying to teach you, right? You learn the basics of crypto, and then when some company announces crypto plans, you can judge what their priorities are. So if Airbnb announces crypto payments and there's no mention of interest, then you know that it's the usual Airbnb, which is thinking more about the shareholders than their stakeholders. By stakeholders, remember, it's the guests and the hosts which is, of course, a very legitimate way to, to do this. They are perfectly in their own right to try to make more money for their shareholders. But if at the same time the message is we're doing Web3 for our host, for empowering our community, then you know it's going to be the usual marketing talk. In other words, accepting crypto payments is going to open the possibility for giving interests away to the stakeholder. Because while it's hard to get a good interest from banks, it's much easier to get it from crypto applications. If they decide to give interest to the host and or guests, I'm pretty sure it's going to be optional. So you have to basically say, okay, I want the interest, but I understand the risk. Because this money is going to sit on third-party applications which have smart contract risk. There's always some risk, as you may remember. All right, so let's move to the other tweet. Quote, crypto payments is inclusive of a variety of token ideas. End quote. 
And let's apply this to the third point, as you remember, guest loyalty program. So how would Airbnb do a guest loyalty program in crypto? Well, there's a lot of experience out there they could you know, learn from and, and apply what worked. What could make it hard is the legal aspect of it, because Airbnb is a multinational company and giving tokens away comes with regulatory risk in, in many countries and especially the United States where Airbnb is from. But what they could do is issue a token, let's call it Airbnb token. And first of all, airdrop it to anyone who's been with Airbnb for a while. So based on a certain number of parameters, like how long you've been with Airbnb, how many bookings you made or you received, maybe your reviews, the volume of money which went through, the commissions you paid, etc., etc. Airbnb could make a list of all these people, create a token, create a pool on a decentralized exchange, so there's money into this, and then airdrop the token to anybody who shares through the Airbnb platform a wallet. So you will get your token, your Airbnb token, and this token would have real-world value because there's a pool where you can sell it for maybe Ether and then send it to an exchange and sell it for fiat money. And this being Airbnb, I'm sure that a few hours after it's been announced, it's going to be available on, on exchanges like Binance or maybe even Coinbase and others. So you will get your Airbnb token and you would be able to sell it for dollars, fiat, pound or whatever you have in your country. Or keep it by you know, betting on the future value and having a stake in the platform. Maybe this token would even have governance rights. So that there's going to be maybe um, treasuries which can be moved by the token holders or some decisions could be given to the token holders and not to the Airbnb board, basically. And that's another completely different discussion. We, we talked about governance in episode nine. So you can go there, listen to it and try to understand and try to guess what Airbnb could do there. But let's go back to loyalty. So loyal users have been rewarded with real money and maybe even governance rights. And from now on, everybody, anybody who makes a booking, everybody who gets a booking gets a little bit of tokens too. So they are distributing these tokens as bookings go, right? So that even new players in the platform, even new hosts and guests can be rewarded and feel that they are part of this platform. Now, in the dynamics of power, how important would that be? Well, this could be really important. So first of all, money is power. If Airbnb drops you $5,000 worth of tokens, you are going to feel that you, know, you are sharing on the earnings of Airbnb. So that's already very impactful in real life and also psychologically in your relation with, with the platform. After all, maybe your listings produce commissions for them for $50,000 in the years, right? Maybe $100,000. Would $5,000 be too much? Well, probably not. It's just a small part of what you allow them to earn. So how much would be fair? Well, how much would be right for, for an airdrop from Airbnb? Well, let's, let's start from, I don't know, a host who has five years of experience with them. So they've been five years in the platform and generated bookings for $20,000 a year, which is a commission of maybe $3,000. So commissions for $15,000.
in five years. Of course, in the commissions, I'm counting here also what the guests paid while booking their apartment, right? So how much is a fair a fair air job here? So first of all, the expectation of the typical Airbnb host are pretty low. They have been paid, you know, $100, $200, $300 in uh, referral money when they refer people, while super hosts have been paid, I think, about $100 for every year of being a super host. While this may seem interesting, a lot, fair, and it may well be, it is only because we are still thinking in Web2 terms where most of the money goes to the platform to pay back basically the shareholders, right? On the other end of the spectrum, you have Web3 where all the money is supposed to go to the community. So how much money would go to the host if all the money of Airbnb goes to the community, that would be much more, but Airbnb is a Web2 company, they cannot do that. So how much is fair? Well, nobody knows, actually, but I would say that if I've been five years in Airbnb and I generated $15,000 in commissions, I would expect at least a few hundred dollars in airdrops. Which means if I'm a property manager with 100 apartments and I've been 10 years with them and I generated much more, I could expect tens of thousands of dollars in airdrops. Just to give you an idea of the size of airdrops in, in Web3, we've seen airdrops worth thousands of dollars just for using a platform a few times very often. And we've seen airdrops worth tens of thousands of dollars for using a platform a few times, maybe even one time only, as in the case of the ENS, ENS airdrops or the Uniswap airdrop or many others, right? That's a lot of money, and it's actually hard to believe until you realize that you've been paying basically all the money on the table and not just a little bit of the pie. You are sharing on the whole pie. So I wouldn't expect thousands of dollars for the typical user in, uh, in Airbnb, but a hundred would be, would be still good, I guess. The thing is, if Airbnb does this, the very moment they share their tokens with their user base, out there, on the blockchain, there's going to be an open database of many Airbnb users, guests and hosts, who received money from Airbnb, okay? And everybody's going to be able to see how much money they received, so how deep they are into the space, into the vacation rental space with Airbnb. And these people can be contacted. Somebody could issue a token and say, okay, this is the real decentralized booking platform, which we will build. We are starting by creating a million dollar pool and airdropping tokens worth thousands of dollars to everyone. Come over here and let's build this platform together. We've seen this happening a lot in the DeFi space as we've seen. And even in the last weeks, there's been a couple of attempts of attacking centralized systems in this way. For instance, OpenSea has been attacked in this way because users of OpenSea have been airdropped SOS tokens based on the volume of purchases they had done on OpenSea, the NFT marketplace. I even got some, but too little, I think $100 or $200 at the peak of the price, and that wasn't worth, in my opinion, paying the gas, the Ethereum gas fees, so I left them there. And so far, this has not been too successful because, well, there was not really a, a real plan for building a, an alternative to OpenSea there. Still, Airbnb will be leaking the user base 
connected to the wallet. So that's a very big attack surface for decentralized alternatives. So maybe they won't do it. Maybe they will do it and, and be prepared. We don't really know. But but not doing it, somebody else will come out and say, well, we're going to do it. We are going to actually going to build the centralized booking platform completely tokenized. So come over us. So either way, Airbnb doesn't have a perfect solution if Web3 goes mainstream. It's going to be mostly a game of timing things, you know, following the adoption and communicating, trying to kind of say, yeah, you get less money here, but it's safer, easier, which is a fair statement. But yeah, from the beginning of this year, I think we are in a new paradigm, definitely. We are in a new world. Web3 is coming. Web2 companies know this and they are planning accordingly. It is therefore going to be very, very interesting. And anything you learn about Web3 is going to be very, very useful to you in the next years. So what other token ideas are they maybe discussing here? So we've seen payments, we've seen loyalty programs with or without airdrops. We talked briefly about governance. So why don't we try to speculate a bit about governance? What could the community decide for Airbnb? Well, potentially everything, but then what is worth assigning to the community and what is worth keeping centralized? You know, that's another spectrum. We always have to think in spectrums in, in Web3. It could be the community decides everything and Airbnb dies very quickly because the community is not equipped to take strategic decisions which need understanding, which need access to information, etc. Or it could be very, very cosmetic, just like, okay, these are the logos we are thinking about. Please vote them with your tokens. And you have Airbnb tokens and you vote the next logo and nothing changes in your life and everything in between. So what are the parts of governance which could make sense, in my opinion, for Airbnb to decentralize? Is commission something people should vote on? Well, if you let people vote on commission, they're going to vote for a low commission, right? Airbnb is charging in aggregate about 15 to 17% on each transaction. If you let hosts and guests vote on this, it's going to go to 0%. Or maybe not. Maybe they are more responsible. They understand the company has to make money to survive. They want the company, which now belongs to them too, a little bit to survive. So they're going to vote for a 10%. Maybe 10% is too little. Maybe that puts Airbnb at disadvantage. Or maybe not. Maybe it's going to attract many people who are in booking today. And actually, on 10%, Airbnb will thrive. But then maybe Booking will lower their commission and the whole space goes down. The whole centralized Booking platform space goes down and who knows what happens. This is a very delicate number, you know, the commission to be charged. So if I was Airbnb, I would probably not give this number to be decided by the community. You have to think that the community is not thinking about Airbnb's problems all day and all night. Often. Votes are done randomly just to vote, you know, or they're just following the herd. So they go in, they say, I'm talking about Web3 here. You go in, you see which one is, which option is the biggest number of votes. All right, I'm going to vote with the herd. It means people thought about it. So it must be the right decision. And often it's not. 
So no, I wouldn't touch commissions here. Also because Airbnb is a public company now. So there are actually people like, you know, me and you who own shares and they are they're going to be paid dividends, I suppose. So there's already a mechanism for sharing the wealth created by the Airbnb platform. And we haven't seen yet any publicly traded company doing tokenization at a very deep level. Even Coinbase, which is one of the first exchanges in the world, has gone public last year and they did an issue a token. A token is basically like shares. It's different than shares, but it also acts as shares. Can you have both tokens and shares? Probably yes, but the tokens cannot have too many properties. They probably need to be a washed out version of real Web3 tokens. Who knows, right? So what could be governed by the community? I would say grants is a good idea here. If you look at Uniswap, Uniswap is was born out of a grant, I think, from the Ethereum Foundation. And they have an, uh, a grant program called unigrants.org. And they have these waves in which people basically apply and get money from the treasury. So this could be voted by the people. Like Airbnb could put some money into a grant program for developing the Airbnb ecosystem in some way or another. People could apply and then people could vote about where the money goes without any involvement from the core team of Airbnb. Maybe some open source tooling could be developed. Now, Airbnb is, has also open source parts and it's not only closed source. So there could be a whole open source ecosystem grow around Airbnb and that would be really, really interesting and very nice. Unisop, for instance, gave some interesting grants to Bankless, which is a podcast, Bankless DAO, actually, which is a DAO kind of running communication for the whole Ethereum space. And Airbnb could, you know, through the grants decided by the community, give some money to people who are doing podcasts and educational material and so on. It could go really everywhere. There's no limit in, in what could be done. And I led to you thinking what, what Airbnb would be able to accomplish with something like that. It will be certainly extremely, extremely interesting. What about customer service? Well, customer service is a great use case for a tokenized Airbnb because, first of all, Airbnb already has tried, I think successfully, to harness the power of crowd sourcing the support system, right? So people were and maybe I still are uh, helping other people through the official community forum or third-party system in which I know some people were paid for helping. So customer service is something which surely has a lot of space for letting people coordinate it by themselves. And tokens are the best coordination model and tool we have today. Maybe a grant could be given to somebody building a decentralized coordination system where people who actually put time and their put their experience for helping others get paid in tokens, right? Completely decentralized. So when you have a problem, rather than talking to some employee sitting in some office far away, you could have somebody in your own country who knows, or your own city who knows exactly the problems of that city, who is actually getting paid in tokens by Airbnb 
or even better, via the centralized part of Airbnb, where there's money in the treasury. And basically, taking off the load of customer support from a centralized system. And customer service, better customer service, is point number six in what people were asking. So here you go, an incredible use case for tokens to improve Airbnb customer service. Another aspect I've been studying a lot in these years is the centralized dispute management. You know, when you have a problem with Airbnb and you do not reach an agreement with your guest or you're a guest and you do not reach an agreement with your host and you go to the Airbnb resolution center, right? You're going to talk to some employee, again, maybe sitting in a country very far away from your own who doesn't really understand the local aspects of your problem. What if there was a way for having somebody from your own city or maybe a small panel of people maybe five people, three guests and two hosts, two from your city, um, different perspectives on the problems. And they judge the problem and then they vote and the majority decides what happens with the deposit, for instance, right? Or the damage refund. Is this possible? Well, theoretically, it's not only possible, but very, very exciting. So instead of having a person who is really removed from the problem and is doing many of these compliance a day, you could have people doing it from their phone when they have time and when they feel like it and being paid for it. And these people are guests and hosts and they know it, your city. So they're much more capable of taking a balanced decision and not political. And by this, I mean that if a city has too many hosts, you can bet that the decision is going to be often, more often than not, in the favor of the guest and vice versa. And this is what I called the panel a few years ago in, in the white paper of TRIPS community. And actually, all I'm doing in this episode is going back to our white paper and trying to see how Airbnb today could apply some of these ideas. So before I go ahead, let me suggest you to go to our website, tripscommunity.com, and go to the white paper and read what we've been thinking since 2017 about these problems. Admittedly, a bit too early, but we've been working on this for a few years now, and uh, we would be very happy to see Airbnb applying some of these things because, again, that would be that would mean moving the power away from the centralized entity to the people, which is what we actually want at the end, and it will make it possible for anybody to actually do create alternatives to centralized systems. And today we have just a couple, three maybe big platforms. In a few years, we're going to have tens, hundreds, and even probably thousands if everything gets open as I wish it will be. Another thing which could be done with the centralization, with tokenization in Airbnb, is to have a listing approval process where instead of simply letting people create listings and then try to get customers, and after the fact, if the listing was fraudulent, find solutions, have listing approved by the community based on a set of rules and you know let like do a vetting service which is probably too expensive today for Airbnb but could be actually doable if it's tokenized also the platforming could be managed by a group of people like instead of simply the platforming somebody because the guest said that there was a camera and the camera wasn't actually a camera but it was you know the CO detector maybe before completely shutting down the account of some person who actually maybe is leaving out of the money they made to Airbnb, 
maybe the community could actually judge in a more deep way about this. And then, yeah, that you can then platform people. Why not? Bad actors could be that platform, but it should be done in a more probably humane way. And the only reason this is not done today is because it's too expensive. So could the community do it cheaply? Probably, yes. This is one of the great advantages of having a community who cares about the platform and who is ready even for little money or sometimes even for no money to help the platform be healthy and fair. So the things Airbnb could do with tokenization, Web3 in general, are at every level. And they have to play a very careful game because they have a working platform, an incredibly well-done platform. Uh, they have a market. They, it's working. They cannot just jump into Web3 too much. But at the same time, they cannot ignore it because... Web3, again, is changing under their feet, right? So they have to adapt. They have to time it well, and they have to execute it well. All this is very difficult. So the position they find themselves in is great because if they, you know, if they nail the timing and the execution, they can basically prosper for the next decades. And maybe some of their competitors, which are slower and older, won't be able to adapt as fast as they can. And on the other side, if they don't adapt quickly enough, they're leaving an opening for native Web3 projects. I was going to say companies, but probably projects and DAOs to come and eat their lunch. It's going to be messy. We will see centralized platforms staying centralized, maybe ultra centralized, maybe you know focusing a lot on the security and the ease of use, but giving nothing away in terms of control. We will see on the other end of the spectrum completely decentralized, maybe DAOs, which are 100% decentralized, but not efficient, not user-friendly, and ultimately not successful. And in the middle, we will see successful examples, maybe you know, companies like Airbnb who decentralize the right amount according to the situation in that historical moment, and others coming from the other side who start a bit more centralized and try to decentralize later on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we are entering a, an era, a phase of seismic changes. It, again, the feet under the ground of everyone is moving. If you are an old company, things are going to change. You are going to have to adapt, get more flexible. If you're not flexible, you will probably die as a company. And new companies, new DAOs will have to, you know, not be too arrogant because they're native Web3, because they don't know anything about maybe how marketplaces actually work. And in the long term, I think for the very least, we will see many different platforms, working platforms competing for the availability of the hosts and the apartments and the hotels, etc. Because ultimately, people will get back their the control of these things, especially of availabilities, and they will choose where to be. Being completely captured in one platform is going to be, in my opinion, a thing of the past. Probably not in the short term, but I'm pretty sure in the long term, it is going to be like this. And the big turning point, in my opinion, is going to be when we're going to have the first really decentralized booking platform or the first really decentralized set of open protocols, right? What do I mean by that? I mean that you can have in your own website a decentralized cryptocurrency payment system. You're basically just importing and using some existing open system. 
of the centralized review system, the centralized messaging system, etc., etc. So all these things which make an OTA deconstructed in a series of open protocols, which everybody can use, even in their own website. And when these are all mature, you can actually build an OTA, a system which uses these Legos, right? These, these modular components of Web3 bookings. And then you have a decentralized OTA. And the next day you have another decentralized OTA because open source software can be forked, it can be copied, can be improved upon. And so when we have the first successful decentralized booking platform, then we're going to have 10 in a very short time and 100 in a short time too. So, and each one of them are, is going to experiment in different ways. And so the real innovation will, will happen at that stage. And at that point, there's no more Airbnb booking Expedia. There's Airbnb booking Expedia and 100 decentralized booking platforms. And when they are mature enough, the host is going to say, okay, why am I paying these very expensive commissions and why my reviews are completely controlled by them. I don't want that. So maybe some centralized companies will say, okay, reviews, let's put them out. Let's open source them. They belong to you. Even if we deplatform you, you can keep them, right? So we will see these kind of dynamics come to play. And at that stage, Web3 is going to be in full swing. Does this mean that centralized platforms will not exist anymore? No. I mean, banks will be there in 20 years, even if DeFi is going to make them completely useless for many users and uh, maybe for many use cases, they are maybe going to adapt and be there. You know, we still need centralized institutions for some things or, or some people are not going to switch to the decentralized alternatives because they used to or because they, they don't want to think about, you know, taking care of the private keys, for instance. So in 20 years, we're still going to have perfectly centralized booking platforms. They're probably just going to be not anymore the standard, but one of the possibilities. So let's follow what Airbnb does. Again, they are really smart. They are, of course, understanding what's happening. I'm pretty sure there's people in Airbnb who know Web3 probably much better than me and, and anybody else. I know. So let's see what they do. Um, they have a limit. They have a, a glass ceiling in how much they can decentralize. But even a little bit of decentralization from Airbnb could be more impactful than a completely decentralized platform, much smaller than Airbnb, right? So let's cherish and let's appreciate anything which comes out of Airbnb in, ter in terms of decentralization. Because probably in the short term, this is our best bet of having a more balanced ecosystem in, in general. And then in the long term, let's prepare for when really decentralized alternatives are possible. Let's start working on them and uh, let's, you know, let's enjoy the ride. It's uh, definitely started. We're not going to go back. Web3 is not something which people will stop talking about. Maybe a little bit, maybe during a bear market, but even if they stop talking about they're going to work about, they're going to, going to work behind the scenes. So it has definitely started, finally. And again, let's enjoy the ride. All right, this is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at tripluca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A. And see you next time.